0: Today is May the 20th, and our chapter for today is Job chapter 1. What an incredible book this is. I want us to get right into it and first of all, get our context. That is, what is the setting of the book of Job? Well, I believe after careful research that the book of Job took place in the time period that I have labeled the patriarchal period that is from the time of Abraham and I date Abraham 2166 and I date the patriarchal period from 2166 or Genesis 121 when Abraham's introduced to all the way through the book of Genesis from chapter 12 to chapter 50. Now, Exodus starts the period of the Exodus. I divide the entire Old Testament into 10 time periods. You have the primeval period, which is everything that took place prior to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 1 through 11 involves creation, involves the flood, involves the rescue of Noah and the ark, and then the days after the flood in chapters 10 and 11, and then chapter 12, when Abraham, the great patriarch, the father leader, was introduced. Now, the word patriarch is a Greek word. It's not an English word. Patras is the word for father. Arche is the word for first, leader, head, chief. And so it is the father leaders or the father chiefs or the heads The patriarchal system was before that and still goes on today in biblical context and in the sense of biblical values and the way that God has assigned order. The man is still the head of the household. He is the leader of the woman that God made from man he is the leader in the home in the church etc and so that system is still going on in a biblical context and in a cultural context for those of us who believe in the bible this only took place this father leader system where there were distinctives that were not true later on after the Exodus. For instance, in the book of Job, chapter 1, you have Job sacrificing, that's right, sacrificing for his family. Now, that was not to be done except in special occasions for any time after the Exodus. Why? Because God... Set apart the tribe of Levi and specifically the sons of Aaron, Aaron and his sons, to be the priests for the people, to represent the people before God and God before the people. But before that time, every father served as the priest of his family. He sacrificed wherever he was, on a high place, or wherever it was that he experienced God or some miraculous thing. But that was not so after the Exodus, and certainly not so after they got into the Promised Land. God set apart various places, Shiloh, Nob, and then Jerusalem, of course, where David conquered, and his son Solomon built the first temple, and then Zerubbabel and his followers the second temple, and it stood, that second temple, through all of its reparations and everything that was going on, all the repairs, renovations, rather, everything until 70 A.D. and the destruction of the second temple. And all of that to say there were specific assignments about who was to sacrifice and where they were to sacrifice and what they were to sacrifice specifically. But that is in the book of Exodus and beyond. So that's a different time period and a different dispensation when God worked in a different way that he had prior to that time. And so what Job was doing is the same thing that Abraham did, that Isaac and Jacob and the fathers did. And so I would say that, just simply because in the book of Job, Abraham's not mentioned, I can't imagine that something happening in that area in the East when Abraham would not be mentioned. So I believe that more than likely Job lived just before Abraham. When Abraham came on the scene, he dominated the biblical record and narrative. And so I believe that it took place that is, Job's life and the events in the book of Job prior to Abraham. I don't know how long, but I believe it was prior to Abraham because I do not believe that he was his contemporary or Abraham somehow would have been mentioned because Job was the greatest in the East. That was just not the case during the days of Abraham. And so he was in the east. Now, there is no word in Hebrew for the word east. There is only the word forward, kadim. And so this is the idea of how we get our bearings and our geography in the Bible. Everything is from the western ridge called the patriarchal highway and in Jerusalem specifically. That is when a man stands on the Mount of Olives and he faces east, he is Facing, He's looking forward to the east, that is, to the Jordan Valley, which is below the Great African Syrian African Rift. That's 4,000 miles long. It's the largest crack on earth. Starts in northern Syria, goes all the way to central east Africa, that Great Rift Valley in Africa. It's all part of that Syrian African Rift. That's why it's named thus. And so you have this concept of standing on the Mount of Olives, facing forward toward the rising of the sun, looking across the Jordan Valley, looking across the ridge, the eastern ridge, and seeing the sunrise. That's how they got their bearings. Now, in Latin, east is orient from people from the East used to be called Orientals until we got so politically correct that somebody thought that was offensive. And so now we talk about Asians or we talk about Indians or we talk about Afghans or whatever the case is, but that would have been east, that would have been facing forward. And uh, remember, the poles hadn't been discovered at this time. They were there. They just simply hadn't been discovered. And so the orientation was always to the rising and setting of the sun. So if you wanted your bearings, you noticed in that day where the sun rose and you were always facing forward, kadim, you were always facing forward. And that word became known as east as the nomenclature for talking about east. And west and north and south, and so forth. And so we still use this language today when someone goes to the first day of a job or the first week of a job, first month. We call it onboarding now, but that used to be called orientation. Why? Because that's how you got your bearings, not your true north, but your true east. That to the south was your right hand. If you're facing east on that eastern ridge just above the temple complex in Jerusalem, you are facing east on the Mount of Olives. If you're looking toward the rising of the sun toward the Orient, if you are standing there with your hands uh, extended out to your sides, then your right hand will be to the south, your left hand to the north. Evil always comes from the north. In Latin, the word is sinistra. That's where we get our word sinister. It's a surprise. It's coming out of the north. Why? Because the prominent hand in the Bible is always to the right. Jesus didn't sit down after he had accomplished our redemption on the left hand of God, but on the right hand of God, it is always the right hand is the right hand of power, of majesty, of dominion, of authority, all to say This was in what we call the East or the Middle East or the Near East, it used to be called. This is just to get our bearings and our context, our orientation, as I just spoke of. And so it introduces Job as this man who was great, who was a father leader, but he was also blessed. I mean, he had 10 children, he had seven sons, and he had three daughters. And just as in the patriarchal period, as I had mentioned, Abraham, wealth was measured in the same way through possessions, through not only your children and your family and the blessing of family that will carry on your legacy and name, but also through sheep and camels and oxen and donkeys and all of these animals. Those were the measurement of wealth during the patriarchal period and beyond that, but certainly during that time. And so I placed Job just before Abraham, but more than likely, more than likely from all I can research that it was probably not written there, but it was handed down meticulously. The story was meticulously over and over again I believe that more than likely it was written down during the days of Solomon, and there's several reasons for that, but I'm already 10 minutes into this, so I want to go on and get into the book of Job chapter 1, because in this book we come face to face in chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6 with this dramatic appearance of the heavenlies and a council, a Council of Almighty God and a procession of angels and a council that is heavenly. We don't know about this. It's just a mystery. There's some things, W.A. Criswell, that was my first mentor along with Edelman. Criswell used to call this the great imponderables of God. This and other things like this because the curtain is not pulled back where we know all about. We can surmise, we can guess, we can estimate and guesstimate. But the reality is we don't know exactly where and exactly what took place here except what the Bible reveals to us. But when the sons of God, that is, B'nai Elohim, the sons of God, when they came in before Yahweh, when they come in before Adonai, Yahuwah, whatever you want to call his name, it is YHVH. No one knows the pronunciation of it. But it is the personal name for the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when the sons of God, when this angelic host, we can talk about B'nai Ha Elohim all you want to. That'll be in another podcast as we go through the book of Psalms. But for now, we are looking upon these as angelic beings. And with them came Ha-Satan, that is the adversary. That is a definite article, ha. That is the adversary was with them. Now, the name Satan as a personal name... And not as an adjective, but as a noun, which is a personal name, did not come about in the scriptures until the book of First Chronicles, when Satan is called Satan as a personal name. But he is the adversary, and he came in, and God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? Now, this is an amazing word, because it's the word sum, sum, sum. It's pronounced S-O-O-M, but it's S-U-N, soon. And it is translated probably 50 different ways in the Old Testament. It is translated most often to place or to a point or to set. It's the idea of not just, have you noticed Job? Have you gotten a look at Job? Have you ever met Job? No, he says, have you considered, and it's a perfect tense, in other words, Satan had been looking at Job. He had been examining him, probably watching him because he was, remember, he was a godly man. He was blameless. He was without reproach. He was altogether a godly man. He was a sinner like everyone else, but he was a godly man. And Satan, it seems, had set upon him because that's the word sum. Is it translated consider? Yes, it's translated consider and considered, past tense, I think about 10 to a dozen times, this word is mentioned about 200 times or more in the Old Testament in the Tanakh. This is just one-tenth. If there's 200, it's one-fifth of all the times that's used, this is the usage considered. But it does give the idea of noticing In the Hebrew text, it's more like, have you placed any time into this guy? Have you considered him in the sense of, I've noticed, Satan, that you've been watching him. And all of a sudden, God says, have you considered my servant Job? And then he said, there's none like him in all the earth. He's blameless and upright and one who fears me, fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord hatefully, really, and says, well, he's doing it. Well, you think he's doing it for nothing? No, he's doing it out of ulterior motives. He's doing this so he can be blessed. You've had a net around him. You've had a hedge around him. You have a buttress around him and a bulwark so that no one can even get to him. You let me at him and I'll see that he falls. Well, so the saga begins. But I want you to understand that from the text itself, from the Hebrew text, it seems to me, at least, that Satan had already noticed Job. He was already looking at him, seeing how he could get him to stumble and fall. Why? Because that's Satan's nature. He's the adversary. He's not our friend. He's a thief. He's a klepto, according to John 10.10. He's maniacal. He is a kleptomaniac, and his one goal is to destroy. destroy everything beautiful that God has made. He cannot defeat God, and so he wants to hurt and maim and destroy and ruin and kill and lay waste every man and woman born in the image of God. And so this is what the book of Job is introducing to us in chapter 1. And so God in his sovereignty said you can have him, You can do this, you can do that, but I'm going to set limits on you. Aren't you glad God sets limits on Satan? You see, Satan is not a supreme being. He is not God. There is only one God, and he is God and no other. Satan is a created being. He was created in beauty and perfection. But sin iniquity was found in his heart, and he turned against God. And because of that, he defiled and has defiled and will defile everything that he touches because his very nature is wickedness. His very nature is deceit. His very nature is a lie. He is a liar and the father of lies. On and on and on, the Bible talks about the deadliness and the deceptiveness of Satan, this adversary. And so, Job, and the story of Job begins. Now, in the next podcast, we'll talk about Satan's specific attacks upon Job. So, read it. Read chapter 1, read chapter 2, read chapter 3, and then read it again. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies.